Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Nuts in a Pod. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Emery. And we have a special guest today, Sam Sims. Hey, everybody. So excited to have you in the studio. Um, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I was just say thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. Um, Sam and I have shared like some pretty intimate moments together. But I had to like secure a few details about your life today because I feel like we've shared these intimate moments, but we haven't really gotten to like talk about our jobs and like other stuff. Like yeah. we just always go right to the emotional stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, actually fun fact about Sam is that she, um, before we knew these details about our lives, that she did see me pee once. Yeah. So you could say we're pee buds. We are the best. And apparently Sam is the ultimate pee buddy. So if anybody's looking for one, you out of the clubs, you're looking for a pee buddy. I'm here. She's oh, there. Dang, I just really need a pee buddy. We, get, we found one for you. Well, we talked about this. Boys don't really have pee buddies. Yeah, my pee buddy is my cat, Floyd. He just stares at me. So it's not like a conversation or anything. It's just weird. Yeah, more mm -hmm. like a pee creepo kind <laughs> of thing. Pee creepo, <laughs> yeah. So if y'all want a pee creepo too, I got a cat for you. I ya. think there already are those people. <laughs> yeah, but neat, not me. I'm not a pee creepo. No, not at all. Great decorum. But anyway, um, Sam is uh, visiting Louisville from Atlanta. So she's based in Atlanta, and she has a daughter. What's your daughter's name and age? It's Coraline, and we call her Corey. She's five. Five, mm. so cute. She, she is cute, half cute, half little bit of a demon, but she is cute. That's pretty much how it goes mm -hmm. with five years old, right? Right. Yeah. When do they get out of the demon stage? Um, I don't. I don't know. I guess never. No. I guess the answer is never. No. I'm definitely scared for her teenagers, though. As sassy as she is, we are preparing ourselves for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And could you share what you do in Atlanta? Because I couldn't. I can't explain your job because I don't know enough about it. Right. Okay. So I definitely took a career change last year. I work in elections in Atlanta. I am the tech support behind the elections running smoothly, making sure that the profile configs are put together correctly before you go and actually vote. Some places don't have um, mobile ballot devices, they have the paper ballots. So I work behind the ballot marking devices to make sure that when the screen comes up, everything is as the way it's supposed to be. And then whenever it comes back to the county at the election supervisor's office, whenever you are uploading the results, I make sure they run smoothly to get back to Secretary of State. Super important. That yeah. job is way more important than mine. No, it's very stressful. It's it's cool to say, but then it's also like, oh, gosh, do I know you well enough to let you know I work in elections? Yeah. Eh. And you're the reason Donald Trump is not president, correct? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> cool. So business? So, yes, business, you're listening to Two Nuts in a Pod on 106.5 Forward Radio. You can hear us anytime at forwardradio.org. You can also find us on streaming services, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, CastBox, and Google Play. And you can find us on social media. Instagram is Two Nuts in a Pod with the number two. And Facebook is Two Nuts in a Pod with TWO spelled out because Instagram is cooler, I guess. And you can also email us anytime, day or night. Literally anytime you want to email us at two nuts in a podcast at gmail.com and we will respond within uh, one day to a hundred days. So yeah, somewhere get, in there. You'll get a response somewhere in between there. Yeah. 
just be nice. We've we got mood disorders. I say that every time, but really, just you know, please keep don't that be in mean mind. in the emails. <laughs> <laughs> we really want you to email us though, so please email us. Yeah, just don't be mean. Yeah, just don't be mean unless it's to Emery, and that's fine. <laughs> he can take it. I can take it. So that's business. All right, that's business. So we are going to roll right into a segment we call "How Are You for Real." So instead of Usually when people ask you how you are, you just say fine or like great. And it's just the end of the conversation Um, because we're just kind of socially trained to do that just to say we're okay all the time. But on this show, we really want to talk about like what is actually going on, um, how we actually feel like we really want to know the answers to those questions. And if you're doing great, awesome. Just, you know, tell us why and tell us what's going on. So how are you for real? We can start with Emery. All right. Yeah. So we're not doing role play as far as acting it out. No, I'm just going to ask you, how are you for real? <laughs> so people are, if they've never heard this, okay, I'll tell you. Uh, so I am a little anxious today, uh, even though I don't really show it very well. I'm very good at, I'm exceptional at suppressing those emotions. I, so I had just an issue with my parent an issue with my parents so basically i was trying to schedule the covid vaccine appointments for my parents and neither one of them are very good with using technology so i decided to do this for them and it just has been kind of just a extensive and stressful process and it was one of those things where i thought i had scheduled appointments for them and i was like oh my god this is so great i've done it and then they called the hospital called my parents and were like yeah actually you didn't schedule an appointment at all you scheduled like your first time visit with a doctor mm-hmm. so i was like what in the world did literally everywhere said you're scheduling a covid vaccine appointment and apparently it wasn't true at all so i messed up with that i guess i made that mistake i don't know and and when i first started it started with it had like oh you can get an appointment on february 4th and then all of a sudden when you were filling it out people were filling out their own appointments and it extended to February 18th. So I'd lost like 14 days just in filling out some information online. And then I found out it wasn't even a real appointment. (laughs) But then today they emailed me and they said, Hey, you've got 30 minutes to sign up because these appointments are going to go real quick. So I signed up both my parents and I got them both signed up and ready to go. But it was just really stressful and I was super anxious about it. But I am a little relieved because now they have those appointments so they can get the the vaccine. Because both of them, my dad is about to be 77 and my mom is 73. Hopefully they don't mind me telling their ages. And since both are over 70, they qualified uh, that that second group, the 1B or whatever in the state of Kentucky to get the vaccination. So I'm really excited about that. But also it was very stressful and I didn't like it. <laughs> and it just when it involves my parents at all, and I think anyone that knows me well knows how close I am to my parents and how much I care about them. So it just I get a little more emotional with that type of stuff. It's like, you know, when you think of like there's like that mama bear that's very protective of her baby bears. And so now baby bear, because I literally was the baby of the family, has grown up. And I'm very protective of mama and papa bear Aww. because they're not very good with the internet. <laughs> so it was just, it was really frustrating. But I think we're good now. God, I hope they got an appointment now. Um, I think it's like a February 25th or something. They're on the same day. So that'll be, I will probably, I'll probably cry when I see they get the pictures with their little vaccinations and everything. I'm just that emotional about my parents so yeah it's just been kind of a roller coaster with that everything else is pretty good but that was just kind of stressful so i feel a little anxious today yeah a lot of people are dealing with that right now like my dad can't get his couldn't get his vaccine he thought he could and 
he's just pushed back indefinitely. He's not sure when he's going to be able to get it, but he's not over 70. Okay. Yeah, I know that. I know. Yeah, that's the part is just really stressful because it's like, oh, you see some glimmer of hope. You're like, yeah, vaccines, we're gonna get it, we're safe. And then it's like, right now is just so devastating with everything in the world going on with the pandemic. But then it just, you know, trying to get these appointments is also just really stressful. But I think we got them. Yeah, we're all we're gonna figure it out eventually. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And like Kentucky just wasn't getting enough basically was the situation right i I think most states they're just not getting enough of the the vaccination doses or whatever and um but i think kentucky is doing quite well we've been doing well i think during the entire coronavirus i think like governor Bashir and our local officials have done pretty well with everything but it's still just you know super stressful because it's like these are people i love and you're just worried about them so yeah it'll be nice when you can kind of realize that that's done yeah yeah, I miss being able to hug my parents, so I'd like to do that again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not kill them. Jesus, <laughs> I, mean, I know that's morbid, but, like, I just, you know, worry about that stuff. So, yeah, it's a little stressful and anxious for me. High stakes. All right. So, cool. Lizzie, how are you for real? Uh, so many different things. <laughs> I <laughs> don't even know where to start. I, um... I've basically, I've been, I've talked about on the show how I'm going off of different medications since I've switched to, I've changed my diagnosis that I'm not, I don't have a bipolar diagnosis and I switched to a different therapist and so, or a different psychiatrist. And so we're just kind of like getting rid of medications that like really weren't helping me, that they were treating me for something that I don't deal with. Um, so I'm currently going off of the final mood stabilizer that I was on, uh, which was actually prescribed to me for sleep, um, which is apparently a really off-label thing to prescribe it for. Geodone is the drug, but I guess it's a mood stabilizer too. So I just went down on that. Like we're going to do it really slowly, like over a few months. So it's going to be like I was on 80 milligrams decreased by 20 milligrams each month. But this first decrease has been super rocky and I have been like just all over the place and I figured, okay, well, I'm having moods again. That's probably the thing. Um, And that's kind of how it felt in the first like week or so because I'm like, I'm like maybe four weeks into going off of it. But then it turned into just like really extreme like I, I talked about just having like crying jags and just mm-hmm. out of nowhere and stuff like that um but it's now kind of gotten to a situation where I'm not feeling very functional um and I'm having like little thing I found out cute little thing that when you go off of mood stabilizers you can have side effects that are like bipolar symptoms oh that is cute mm. So ironically, I don't have bipolar, but now I'm having bipolar symptoms because I'm going off of mood stabilizers. That sounds like a lot of fun. So I had like a 12-hour bout of mania that I'm just like coming down from right now. Um, and that's pretty intense. That's a lot. Uh, what was happening during that the 12 hours? Uh, well, I actually, I saw people. I had like people came over and hung out and... Um, it was good to have people around actually because my brain was in such a weird place. Uh, and I tried to just kind of like, you know, somewhat take it easy, but 
um, just had a crew come hang out and I, it's weird because at first it, it kind of feels fun, except that I know that it, it, the crash is coming. So it's like, I just basically my thoughts move really fast and like, I sometimes like talk faster than I think almost it feels like. And then like trippy stuff will happen too, where like I try to read and the text looks like it's kind of like swimming around, mm. um, that I just noticed that this morning. So just weird stuff is happening to my brain right now. Was it um, Harry Potter you were reading? Uh, <laughs> you did catch me reading Harry Potter. I finished I finished The Half-Blood Prince. Oh, nice. Very nice. Yeah. It was my second time reading it. Yeah. Um, it's a great book. Really enjoyed it on the second reading. I just made a Horcrux reference yesterday. Someone was talking about um, someone, like, broke a, a glass, and uh, my husband was like, well, I'm... It's had his name on it. It was like a, a monogram thing that someone had got for us, and they oh, no. broke the glass. And he was like, "Well, I'm glad that that's not my soul." And I was like, "It's a Horcrux. It's not a Horcrux." And everyone was just like, "Lizzie, stop with the Harry Potter references. Oh my god." Um, yes. So I didn't read any Harry Potter. I basically can't read when I'm uh, feeling like that. So it just it feels like this crazy drug, and then. Um, I come down from it and usually it's like, I'll be really tired and depressed. And so it's kind of scary thinking about like the crash and, and when that happens. Um, but I do have a lot of support right now. Um, been seeing a therapist weekly still and we're getting through it, but it's been hard. I just haven't been able to, um, focus on things very much and my husband's taken over a lot of stuff around the house just because I'm not very functional right now so mm-hmm. um and he recently said he was going to take over cooking and I'm very happy about that he's so he's officially taken over cooking and he's been making me fresh pasta every week which is mm, pretty nice. dope yeah we well, got Seth a pasta maker husband. for Christmas yeah he's he's a good one he's good I like that you all will always balance each other out like, you'll always help each other when someone's not doing so well, someone else will back them up. So I always really like that about you guys. Yeah. we And it feels like the other partner gets, like, this kind of superhuman strength when one partner is really suffering and the other one is kind of okay. You get this, like, superhuman, like, okay, I'm going to... Because it happened to me, like, when Seth was in the hospital and I kind of took care of him for a couple months after that because it was just... Um, he had a weird stomach thing that happened and... It was super traumatic. It was like cyclic vomiting where he just couldn't stop throwing up and mm. had to be hospitalized because he was so dehydrated. And apparently it's like an abdominal migraine that he can just get. It, it can just get triggered by like different foods and stuff like that. Mm. He hasn't had it in a while and he has medications for it now when it is going to happen. But um, during that time, I really like took care of him. And so, yeah, he's definitely been taking care of me right now that's great you have that and i really appreciate it yeah. thank you seth that's good for both of you that i think that tests relationships when you go through stuff like that the fact that both of you can take care of each other and not most of the time you really know how much you love someone whenever they are sick or going through something like that yeah that's true so sam how are you for real for real i actually am really good um i for the first time since childhood, I think I can say that I'm happy and not be faking happy. 
I can say that um, I feel stable as opposed to last year. I mean, maybe six months ago, I couldn't say I couldn't say that. I am I'm really good, but I am noticing lately. I don't know where it's coming from, um, but I'm losing a lot of memory. I'm losing like like I'm losing my focus, and I don't know if it is the job change and how stressful it is to wake up and make sure all that I was taken care of, or it's just the the drama that I went through. But um, I woke up the other day and I had a meeting. And I didn't even remember the name of the company I worked for. And I was like, oh, oh wow. I was like, hey, wait. Uh, oh, okay. And then it clicked. But it's happened like several times throughout the week. So I'm really big on health and anything natural that I can put into my body. So this last two weeks that um, I've just been eating as healthy and as clean and any vitamins that I can take to, to help with the focus issue, I finally um, i am on... I'm on two weeks now of taking a few vitamins and other things, and I'm starting to feel like the fog is being lifted. I don't know if it's lack of sleep. It probably is. I never get a lot of sleep. But I can say that I am happy, feeling good, just not focused, which, oddly enough, you would think the two would have to go together. You would have to focus on what you're doing to be happy, but no. Man, I totally feel you on the focus thing. I, like, really can't. I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, and it's kind of been like throughout COVID almost mm, just yeah. not being able to focus on things like, right. especially working from home and yeah. like yeah. not having that same social interaction that you're mm. used to. I was speaking with someone the other day and they say it could be, um, because COVID cause I did have it. And they said that fog brain and like focus was a huge side effect after you've had it. And I got COVID in, I think the first week of October, but I only had, which my case was really weird. Like I left Louisville, got it that weekend. I got it the weekend, the first weekend that I came to Louisville and then went back to, um, Georgia and I was like, I don't feel very good. And I woke up and, um, I had a headache, but I always have headaches. It wasn't until I was cooking dinner that night and, um, my family was with me and I was like, I can't smell this. What in the world? And so I asked my sister-in-law, I was like, can you taste this? And she's like, oh, I need some salt. And I was like, oh, crap, I cannot taste any of this. You're going to have to taste everything that I just prepared for everybody. And so then she's like, you have COVID. Oh, my God, go upstairs. Now we can't even eat the food because you just you have COVID and you're cooking it. And I only had it for two days, like loss of smell and taste and headache for two days. And then I was fine. But I'm like, maybe the symptoms are lingering since I still have really focusing issues or it's just me. It's probably just me. <laughs> well, it's like people are saying too, that it, it like stays, COVID stays with you for a while. I mean, I've, that's just like anecdotal of just people I know who have had it, um, that you just get these like lingering symptoms for like weeks or I, I think they said it could even be months afterwards. Yeah. I'm starting to believe it. <laughs> yeah. Oof. It's like that person that won't leave the party. Yeah, COVID, <laughs> get out of here. You just come downstairs and sleep on your couch. You're like, you're still here? Like, what the hell? Yes, please, COVID. Get a freaking life. So mm-hmm. basically, Lizzie's manic, I'm anxious, and you're happy. So I think <laughs> Sam should just lead the show. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, would you like to? <laughs> Sam probably wouldn't be good. We'd probably just be like, okay, we can't with her anymore. She's got to go. <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back.
Two Nights in a Pod is a program dedicated to talking about the real stuff. The stigma of mental illness, how we tend to our mental health, and how our brains define and empower us. Hosted by Lizzie and Emery, Two Nights in a Pod can be found on podcast streaming devices such as iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and CastBox. In addition to podcast streaming services, Two Nuts in a Pod is a proud member of Forward Radio. 065 WFMPLP is committed to broadcasting the voices of those groups and individuals in our community who are routinely ignored by the mainstream media, promoting understanding and collaboration among diverse groups, supporting our efforts to network, organize, and strengthen our community and our democracy. Forward Radio is a volunteer-powered, listener-supported station, and we need your contributions. Just go to forwardradio.org to donate or get involved. All right, everybody, we're back. And we, as usual, we missed you. We did. It was a long, cold time while you were gone. But <laughs> I didn't like it. I don't, yeah, I didn't like it at all. I, didn't, I did not care for it. Well, I'm against breaks. I don't like them. Yeah. We're we we got to do it, but it's we're back now. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. And we've got Sam Sims in the studio with us. And just super excited to hear about your history because I know that... Um, Jeremy shared with me your cousin. Mm-hmm. I was like, did I get that relationship wrong? Yes. Um, uh, Jeremy said, you've had a life, was how he phrased it. I have had a life. Yeah, it's It's been an eventful one. Yeah. So before we kind of get into like some of those major moments for you in your kind of mental health history, usually we like to ask people, what made you feel comfortable coming on the show and sharing your experiences? Okay. Um, I honestly, I think the, what made me feel the most comfortable is this last year has probably been, it's been a hard year for everybody, but it's actually probably been one of my most favorite years because I grew a lot. I had a lot of emotional support, a lot of love, a lot of friendships I grew from this last year, but it was also my hardest year. And, um, I'm going to be honest. I didn't used to think mental health was really an issue. I thought it was just something that people say they have. But actually being that person now this year, it's like, oh, wow, it's a huge story. It's one that needs to be shared and talked about more. And in March of 2020, that is whenever I hit that period when I went through so much stuff in just one simple little month that at the end of that month, I realized more people need to talk about it, that it's normal. Um, So in the beginning of this, um, we talked about I have a daughter. She's five. Her dad and I have separated several times, but we actually officially divorced in March. And we did an uncontested divorce because we thought we could get along and everything would be fine. But it was once I um, started seeing other people, he couldn't deal with that. So constantly harassed, constantly talked to as many people as he could. And there were physical alterations there were. um, And then the harassing of other people, I couldn't do it anymore. So I thought, let me go get a... um, a TPO against him. And I went to court and I tried to get it taken care of. And I went in front of the judge and I said, okay, I have physical alterations where he's held me up against the wall. I have where he's stalking me, stalking my pages and stalking the people I'm talking to. And then when the judge looked at me and he's like, you have to have two incidents of both. You either have to have two physical things where he has messed with you, or you have to have two cases where he stalked you. And then I thought to myself, what if the second time is severe? What if the second time I'm not, I don't come back from it? And that it was that moment where I was like, people need to know about this. People need to hear about 
uh, how to get help from this. So in that moment, I decided I needed to talk about it. And I would write down as many things that I've been through to help others. And then I reached out to Jeremy and told him everything that was going on. And he's like, yeah, you should, you should really should. You come up with a website or come up with something to where you can tell people your story. Because your story alone would help a lot of people or be a voice or get more volunteers involved in it to where you could go back to that judge and say, look, this person didn't have a second time to where they could come and present it to you. They're gone. And so it just, it opened my eyes to, to make me want to be more of a witness to talk to others about what you can go through that can actually damage you. Yeah. And you mentioned, is it emergency protective order? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a an order where he would no longer be allowed to speak to me unless um, when you get when you get divorced and you have a child, there's like three different ways you can talk to the parent if you are not getting along. You have to agree either by email only, by in person or by like phone calls or text. He would text so much constantly through everything. I almost lost my job because it, my phone just kept going off. I had to go back and say, we've got to find a better way to be able to communicate. We can only talk about Corey. That's it. And so then whenever I try to go get the TPO, it would be able to where we only emailed each other for absolute emergencies or saying, okay, it's Friday. I'm here to pick her up, send her outside. Those are the only two times that we should have been talking, if it's an emergency or when to pick her up. But it never got to go through because obviously I didn't have enough for the judge to grant it. Wow. And that's all like recent. Mm, yeah, that's, recent stuff. that's in March and in April. And that's whenever I ended up having to hire a lawyer to be able to, okay, now I'm going to have to fight for full custody because the fact that you're willing to stalk all these people and myself just to not let me talk to somebody, how are you going to be with our daughter? How are you actually going to raise her properly? I don't want that person to be able to um, dictate what she does or say what she can and can't do. And then in June, what spiked my, um, um, I guess you could say downfall to spiral into a deep, dark depression was once he found out I was, um, filing for full custody. I didn't tell him this time because when I told him I was hiring a lawyer, he already freaked out. But my lawyer, she's like, well, you should maybe at least warn him so that he's not served with papers because you, you never know if a child is present. And I'm really big on not letting kids know what's going. I like to talk to them and have their, let us know what their feelings are, but nobody wants, Hey, here's these papers. You're being served in front of your child. So I thought, let me go yeah. ahead and just let you know. He had my, this was a Thursday. We always swap on Fridays. I told him Thursday. I was like, I just want to give you a fair warning. You're going to be getting papers there for me. I'm pursuing full custody. And he said, absolutely not. That's not happening. You won't see her anymore. And I was like, well, I'm picking her up on Friday, so I'll see her tomorrow. And he's like, I'll make sure it won't happen. So he made a huge fabrication and got the police to come. He told them, he's like, I don't think um, she's safe with her. There's something wrong with her. You need to not let her go back. So the police automatically called me and said, you're not going to be able to pick her up on Friday. We're investigating the issue. I called the detectives. I called everybody and ended up being, yes, because it's a child. They do want to make sure the child is in um, safe conditions. 
months, so I didn't see her for two weeks. So knowing that he still had control of me, we're divorced for six months now. He's already stopped people that I was pursuing relationships with. He stopped that. He's able to take my daughter away. I was like, okay, if we're not married and he can still control my life when we're not together, we live two hours away from each other and you can take my daughter away. What, how on earth am I going to be able to keep living? If you're able to mentally keep that hold, that control over me, there's no reason for me to keep going. Yes, I don't want you to raise my daughter, but I also don't want to live the rest of my life being scared of you. So I started, I've, I've never, ever, ever had those thoughts to where I wanted to not be here anymore because of my daughter. But I entered it so deep that I was like, I don't even want to live anymore. I don't, I, I, I talked to my mom. I was like, I'm just letting you know I've created, I've wrote paperwork, I've, here's all my bank information. If something happens to me, I'm just letting you know it probably is. I'm just being as real and as honest as I can with you, but here's what you can do to take care of Corey. That's when, this was at the end of July, and she reached out to my cousin Jeremy. And as you know, he's, we're really close, if you can't, if you can't tell. He's like my second person, we're almost twins. Um, he called me the day that I, I was done. I was right there. I was, I wrote Corey a letter. I wrote my mom a goodbye letter and I was, this is horrible, but I was videoing it because my brother, he's stationed in Greenland and he's also my second favorite person. I recorded goodbyes for people. And as I'm recording it, Jeremy calls me. And so I was like, okay, he's like, let me just answer this real quick and then I'll get back to it. And he's like, Hey, he's like, your mom called me. He's like, you know that I'm a busy person, but I'm reaching out to you because I know something's wrong. He's like, you got to come see me this weekend. Drop whatever you're doing and come see me. Mm. And that was in September, and I haven't had a thought like that again because he and I reconnected our relationship. He told me, he's like, no, he's like, you got to keep fighting. Don't let him have her. You need Corey. Corey needs you. And then being surrounded by the love of all of his friends here in Louisville and meeting so many great people. Um, I, it pulled me out. I didn't think that other people could be that big of an impact on someone else, but it, it definitely, it was, it was my saving grace for sure. Yeah. And this is like the first time that you've really shared it with like more people mm -hmm. than just your family. So anybody going through the super traumatic divorce right. and dealing with like suicidal ideation mm -hmm. and on I top mean, of this crazy, wonderful election we just went through. Yeah. Plus that. Yeah. Yeah. That was wow. Um, that was a lot of fun. So my weeks were, okay, childcare. My weeks were living elections, and then the night of the election, um, I I was happy. Like I was like, okay, I survived. I made it. I was like, this is the, this is the day that I prepared for. That I worked the week of the election. I worked ninety six hours. And I drove wow. 2,000 miles because I was helping Alabama and Georgia, actually. And so the fact that I was, I finished the election, I was alive. So that night was like in a huge moment for me. It was like, I was like, okay, I'm alive. The, pre the, the election happened. That's gone. I have my daughter. She's safe. So it was that moment where I was like, I, now all I got to focus on is not letting him control me. And so I'm. I think I can finally say after a year, I'm to that point to where I don't have him in the back of my mind anymore, controlling me. Wow. So when did you, this is like kind of maybe a little off topic, but like when did you start like experiencing depression or anxiety? Like kind of what are your formative experiences with dealing with it? Like you know, I, like, obviously this relationship has been a huge trigger. Like mm -hmm. what else in your past has kind of like 
contributed? I'm a, um, my, my favorite, I'm a really big people pleaser. Like I like to make everybody happy. If I can't make you happy, it bothers me. Like I, I never, I used to think like self-love and self-care and self-happiness was selfish because it's like, no, you're just supposed to make everybody else happy. You're not supposed to give it to yourself. And, um, going through this period, my mom could see the effect that it was having on me. And then when I saw my mom, um, she just one day, she's like, I just wish I had somebody I could talk to. She's like, when you tell me all this stuff, she's like, you don't know what it does to me. You don't know how it affects me knowing that my child is going through this and I can do absolutely nothing. And then I was like, wait, I don't want, I don't want to tell you anymore now. I want you to be happy. And knowing the fact that my mom was upset, she didn't have anybody to lean on to, that I had this amazing support system. So then I, I just lost it. I was like, okay, my, my favorite person right here. And then my brother being so far away in Greenland and Jeremy and I hadn't connected yet. So I was like, then I felt like I really had nobody. Like I have all these people there, but then I also didn't have anybody. And the mo and the people that I cared about the most weren't happy and I couldn't do anything about it. So I was like, yes, I have a job I'm living, but I feel like my purpose is to make others happy. Like that's what brings me joy and nobody around me I can make happy. So I just, I didn't, I didn't care anymore. I was like, I'm just going to live and I'm just going to be here. And even, and for those first few months, like I just stayed on my phone. I didn't do anything special with my daughter. I just, I just stayed in like a rut, which isn't, if you know me, it isn't normal. Cause I laugh and I smile all the time. That's why when you say, how are you feeling? I'm definitely the perfect person. They can say, I'm feeling great. I'm fine. You'll never know when something's wrong. Yeah. But if something's wrong, you're like, oh crap, something really is wrong. If she's down. So just knowing that I couldn't help other people is what started it. And it was hard to get out of after that. We talk about people pleasing a lot on the show, both big people pleasers over here. We love to please people. Yep. All yeah. the time. And you can just so easily like lose sight of like kind of what you need and like what roles you're having to perform. Mm -hmm. Like people pleasing is so like all consuming because right. I feel like my anxiety and depression like are really like linked in to people pleasing in some ways mm -hmm. i don't know well you completely lose sight of yourself i mean if you're if you struggle with depression or anxiety you're not focused on that at all you're focused on pleasing others so you're not really focused on taking care of yourself or getting better or improving at all because you're so focused on the happiness and well-being yeah. of others which is detrimental to your own happiness and well-being mm -hmm. yeah. it's like it's like it's almost like it's a high for me to be able to it's like okay I did I did that I made that happen and then when you go so long without having it you're like what am I even here for <laughs> so it definitely did bring me down yeah and Sam I was wondering about uh, just with this past year and how difficult it's been with the pandemic and the election and uh, thing with your ex like everything that's happened I was just wondering like how do you cope like how do you manage all those things how do you push forward like what do you do um i have i, I definitely it's definitely my support system mm, talking to them coming to louisville for the last six months has definitely helped me a lot but my daughter definitely is the number one thing that keeps me going um i didn't think that i would be able to uh, get out of it with just focusing on her, but knowing the trauma that he put me through and at the young age that he did put me through that, I can look at her now and say that will not happen to her. Absolutely not. I refuse to let somebody, especially him, the way he was able to control me, I don't want my daughter to be controlled that way. So it was almost like one of those just wake up, 
cold turkey is like, I have to take care of this. I have to do this. I have to better myself to get myself better for my daughter's sake. And then also just taking care of myself, realizing um, if I'm not 100%, I can't love and I can't give 100%. So that's whenever I started the clean eating, more water, vitamins, the boring stuff, but the good stuff. Um, so I just made sure that I was constantly taking care of myself and whatever I put in me, I knew that would come out and focusing more on my job because I didn't want to just, it's like, okay, I don't want to just get by. I actually want to be able to have more potential here. And with as many people that are having problems working and having jobs, I'm taking advantage of the job that I do have and giving it my absolute minimum. So I said, okay, I'm going to push through. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to work hard. And as long as I'm keeping my mind and myself busy, I can't focus on him. And then as long as I don't message him or answer anything he has to do, I'll, I will ignore anything he says unless it has something to do with my daughter. Used to, it would, I, I couldn't. It's like he had such a control on me that if he messaged, I knew I had to respond or it was going to be bad for me. There were many instances if I didn't message him when we were together, he would call, why aren't you messaging? Where are you? You said you were at the gas station. You left 10 minutes ago. You should have already been back. So it took forever to get that out of my head and then just knowing, okay, I don't want this for her. And I also want to eventually be able to be a light to be able to speak for other people on how to get out of it. So I knew if I couldn't get out of it, then maybe somebody else won't be able to. If I'm able to save one person, especially that person being my daughter, that was definitely what got me out and to help me. I noticed because earlier you talked about your people pleaser, mm -hmm. always trying to make people happy. So the first thing you mentioned was your daughter, but then it's also what you turned back was saying like you're focused on yourself too. So the, the you know the vitamins, the healthy eating, drinking water, everything like focused on the self care and self love. So I really appreciate you opening that up too because it is focused on yourself because it's not selfish at all actually. It took a long time to actually think that that wasn't selfish because. Um, Long story on how my ex and I got together. I um, had a bad situation at home and I had to be removed from the house while it was being investigated. And they decided I needed to go live with the only person they knew could possibly save me or help me. And that was our preacher at the time. And how, how old were you? I was 16. Damn. And it was August of me being 16. I didn't turn 17 until that November. And it's like my family just shut off on emotions and feelings and talking to me because they're like, now our entire family knows what's going on. You're not here. You're there. So I didn't have an outlet of anybody to talk to. And then I'm 16. I'm vulnerable. I have no, I'm in a new school. It's, it's high school. High school's already brutal. I'm at a new high school. Don't know anybody. Can't talk to my family. And I'm in this new housing situation where this was the kind of preacher where they don't watch TV. You wear skirts down to your ankles. You don't do anything. So I'm in this in this situation where I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. And he just started talking to me. He's like, okay, tell me how you're feeling, what's going on. And being a 16-year-old, listening and having somebody there listening, it's a huge deal. And Yeah, when you don't have that mm -hmm. at home. If I didn't, I didn't have another outlet to go to. So I was like, okay, this person actually cares about me. And then apparently it got too far to where the situation got more emotionally involved than it needed to. And, um, things happened. There was a lot of manipulation to where, um, after, after us being together physically, um, he 
told me that if we did not stay together because he was a preacher, it would ruin his career, it would ruin my family, and that we would have moved to Georgia to start this church for nothing. So he's like, be quiet, don't tell anybody what happened unless you want to ruin your families and your parents will probably divorce. And I didn't want that to happen. So I go back home. My family is very distant with me after this. And then his wife ends up leaving. His wife leaves. I come to start college and help them start a business. We ended up like, that, that skips a couple years, but I'm 17, turning 18 now. I'm finishing um, a two-year college. And um, then we started a business together. He had children. They were one and three. So this this is the, um, the reason why I thought self-love or or having time for yourself was not acceptable because I was 17 turning 18 and I was put in mom mode. Like, okay, now that we're together, this is your job. You have to take care of kids. I had no, not that you have to have these things, but going from 16 to not having your family, to not having any friends of your age, no dances, no school outings. I missed out on all of my young 20s because I'm taking care of children and having, and I'm married. We got married once I was 20, but... Um, I would took over a one-year-old and a three-year-old and then helped the job. And then I homeschooled the children as well. So it was like my life was literally day in and day out, taking care of somebody else's children, taking care of a business. There was no time for anything to do for myself. And um, then there was just so much manipulation in that relationship to where at the back of your head, you're like, why did you do this? Why did you just, why didn't you just listen? But you, I, I still think there's a, there's obviously a purpose for the reason why I had to go through that. I still don't know it yet. Maybe it could be that one day I do help somebody else because of what I went through, and it would have been worth it. Yeah, it, it sucks. It's hard. It's a lot of trauma that I had to go through to do that. But um, I think the finally being able to escape it, um, ten, we were together for 10 years. I was 16. We divorced um, this last March, but that was our second divorce. We had tried to separate a couple times, but obviously the manipulation and the holding things over my head, well, they're not going to have a mom now if you leave. If you do this, you have to stay. You're not, and I always would come back for the kids, but I also had been pushed around so many times in that relationship that they were... 10 and 12 whenever I left and that was the probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do just because it's like they are really losing another mom their 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 biological mom left didn't want anything to do with it anymore but I told myself they are going to grow up and thinking this is what love is supposed to be that love is supposed to be manipulation and forcing things to happen that aren't supposed to they've it's like they honestly have never seen us do anything emotional or intimate they've just seen us with the fighting, with everything else that's happened. So for their sake as well, I have to leave so that maybe they'll be able to see real love. If they don't, then when they're older, maybe they'll reach out and be like, why did you leave? Why did, why did you do this? And then I said, to protect you, to be able to grow up and see that's not what it's supposed to be, but also to protect myself that I think, honestly, if I would have stayed, something bad would have happened for m- myself included and possibly them. I don't know. I just... I'm just glad I was able to see it now, but that is a lot of, I have had progress for sure, but it definitely still has some inner demons when you go back to think about, cause that's, a, I, I matured really fast from. Yeah. It's the age of 16 being a primary caregiver. Right. Yeah. He was, and he was 17 years older than me. So it was a situation to wow. where I, it was one of those where it's like, okay, 
he's obvious he obviously knows what's supposed to really happen he knows what i should be doing so obviously he's not going to lie to me surely he wouldn't but when you think about it now and you see it's like oh yeah he really was he knew better i knew i, I mean i was 16 yes i could have said no but i was vulnerable it was a hard time in my life and then I'm such a people pleaser, I didn't want to ruin my family's life. And the fact that he said, you will ruin your family, you will ruin the church, you will ruin our lives. So you can either ruin people's lives or you can just stay with it. Yeah. So I decided to suffer. So wow. how, does, how does it feel now? I mean, after going through all of that and then now focusing on protecting yourself and maintaining your self-care and self-love, how do you feel? Um, now I feel, I, I feel proud of myself that I did go through with it. I did a lot of um, self-judgment and a lot of self-harm um, in the first year that we were separated just because I was like, I just left kids. I was like, because kids are our future, and I just left them, and now what if they're going to go through it? But thankfully, I've been able to talk to them, and um, they they don't judge me for anything. They're happy. They're glad that they can still talk to me, but I feel good that I left the situation I um, I feel like in that first year I can definitely tell it it killed my daughter emotionally. She was only she was only four, and I thought she's not going to remember any of this. She will still tell you, I remember um, I remember Daddy not wanting me on my birthday because we fought on the birthday. So for a four year old to hear her dad say, I don't want you, it's you you got to go back to your mom's, knowing it's like crap. I had a part of that. We fought in front of her, and she's four. So now knowing it's like, okay, we left that situation. You're never going to have to hear that again because I'm not going to fight with him ever. I'm not going to let him get the benefit of the doubt or to be able to control the situation. So anything that is negative, it's never talked about around her. She's allowed to express her mind about what happens there, but knowing that I was able to leave and that now she'll be, I think uh, mentally she, it, it's better for her as well, not yeah. only just myself. Yeah. Well, and you kind of like, you took on that burden for a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. Like you took that all on your shoulders. Right. Yeah. Was... That's really hard, especially at such a young age. Mm -hmm. Like, no wonder you have people pleasing tendencies. <laughs> like, honey, you've been doing it forever. <laughs> Gosh. And in such like a traumatic situation. Mm -hmm. um, so I was kind of wondering how did it feels like religion kind of played a part in mm. all of the dynamics of it, it yes so like you know did you kind of was there a point where you felt like there were a lot i don't want to follow this anymore yeah. yes there were a lot of why god moments yeah it was my my family was grown up very strict very um we were independent baptist to where you don't cuss you don't drink you don't smoke you don't do any of that and then he was even stricter so to go through that and then to see the way um, whenever I left that the church family or the other members were on his side and were supportive of him knowing that they're like oh well she she probably she probably just seduced you it was her fault she probably just did it knowing that that many people cared about me whenever we were together or before it but now after I was like that is not that is not what love's supposed to be. And if it is, I want nothing for it. So I believe everybody has their own 
their own person that they believe in or what's going on. But in that, I definitely realized I don't think it's it's not about religion for me. It's about the relationship with whoever you are with, if it's God or if it's yourself or if you don't believe in anything. So it did definitely put a huge crunch in me going to church three times a week. I used to go Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon and Wednesday. Now I'm... I just, I do the best that I can. I make sure that, um, I ask my daughter, I let her know what there is and what there isn't and I allow her to decide what she, what she wants. Cause I don't want to force anything on her the way it was forced on me. You get to like correct that the next generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. It is really cool. Powerful. Yeah. So we are actually getting to the getting close to the end of our time here and usually this is when we like to switch over into talking about gratitudes so gratitudes we like to at the end of every episode just kind of talk about the things that are positive and are keeping us going because a lot of times on the show we will get into some like really heavy stuff and we'll we'll talk about Mm -hmm. you know all of the like things that are important to talk about and don't get talked about in our culture but it's also gratitude practice is a big part of healing too Mm -hmm. um so we all just like to share what we're what we're grateful for so gratitudes folks hit me with them because i haven't come up with mine yet (laughs) (laughs) all right i can go first uh i would say so i this past week i just finished my uh quarantine period i had to go into quarantine which was loads of fun i got to spend a lot of time by myself actually i just hung out in my house with my cat floyd and we finished last night was our our celebratory night, <laughs> finishing quarantine together, where he slept on the couch. He just kind of rested his head on my uh, my lap, and I ate pizza and watched Lord of the Rings. So I was really grateful nice. for that moment, just to be able to like, you know, I'm just gonna watch. It's the first Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, and got to watch that, and it's like three hours long, so it was a while. And I ate pizza, a Wix pizza. Actually, I don't know if we're supposed to. We're supposed to advertise. Well, I'm not advertising on here. No. Let's call it Snicks Pizza. <laughs> no, you can you can talk about Wix. Just yeah, don't um, like promote their. How much did it cost, or where where people can find it? All right. Well, you're it allowed was... to generally talk about Wix. Yeah. <laughs> Snicks Pizza. <laughs> Snicks. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was just a delicious pizza from a local company here. And it was just a really nice night. Yeah, so I really enjoyed it. I mean, that's not really that exciting at all, but it was just, uh, you know, when you have those calm nights, and it's just you and your little furry friend. And I think every week I say that I'm grateful for Floyd. Like, I don't change it up. It is just consistently this cat. I'm you love that for. kitty. Mm. I love the little guy. He's a lot of fun. He, uh, I mean, he's weird when he stares at me when I'm taking a shower. And he does. He poops in the litter box when I'm cleaning up the litter box. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, that's a special. Like, they really stick it to you. Yeah. I mean, the fact that then he looks at me while he does it, too, which is just so insulting. Like, come on, man. Like, this is such a jerk move. I'm, like, holding a bag of his poop and pee, and he's pooping, looking at me while I'm holding the bag. It's just really deflating as a human being. <laughs> like, you're just like, I've lost all respectability. Uh, but other than that, those things, you know, he's a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, it was just a really nice night. So I a good night with with floyd cool sam what about you what are your gratitudes i as much as you heard me talk about my daughter i normally would say definitely her she is one she's she's definitely the biggest but i think the biggest that's helped me a lot is the friend group 
here in Louisville and my cousin being here, knowing that I missed out on all of that in my teens and my 20s. I didn't have people that I got to go hang out with and just have dinner with and talk and laugh. So I think the interaction of these amazing people that I've been staying with and seeing every other weekend that I'm down here having dinners and talking and laughing, I'm definitely glad. I, I love the friendships that I've grown and got to see that I've been here the past few months. All right, it that was so me. much better than mine where I was just like, pizza. <laughs> Pizza's good. It Pizza's small. good. It, gratitudes can be really small or they can be really big. That's oh, the best thing so about it. Hers was so sentimental. Mine was pizza. <laughs> I almost was going to say, I was supposed to make a chocolate cake today. So I was going to say, mine is that. That's all I care about is getting home and having a piece of that. But it's non-existent because I didn't make it. <laughs> Yeah, so I had to to pick something else. (laughs) It is. It's a chocolate Ferrero Shea cake, like the little candies, the really pretty ones with the gold. Oh yeah. Oh, so it's a good one. Yummy. Well, I, I'm grateful for my husband. I I feel like I'm coming back to the beginning of the episode because I really like these past few weeks. I would not be a functioning human if Seth weren't taking care of me. And that's sometimes just, like, that's part of being married and having, like, mental illness in the marriage is Mm -hmm. that it just, it's, like, another partner in the marriage. And it really sucks if we're both going through it at the same time. Um, But the fact that, you know, he's in a position where he really can take care of me right now, um, I just don't know what I would do otherwise. Mm -hmm. I mean... I I know that I would have I do have a bigger support system too like friends and family and um but I I've just been so isolated um especially these past few weeks that it's like he's the one person that I'm seeing all the time so I'm just like needing a lot from him right now and just super grateful that he's able to do that for me. It's just wonderful to know you have someone in your corner. Mhm. Yeah. Like, they'll just go to bat for you. And I've always, always really admired and respected that about your relationship with Seth. So I'm really happy for you all. Thank you. And yet there's just, a, there's a lot of like ugly moments and just parts where I like, my mental illness is just not cute. <laughs> like, it's not like girl interrupted. Like, <laughs> I just cut my bangs weird. And I actually haven't rewatched that movie to see if it holds up, but it doesn't, it's not like mental illness, you know, can sometimes be like glamorized, I think yeah. in movies and in, in TV shows and in real life, it's like gritty and there's just a lot of, you know, my partner didn't feel well enough to shower for a week or something, you know, like mm-hmm. it, there's just ugly parts of it that happen yeah. that you just have to get through them and roll with it. So that's what we're doing. No, sounds like you're doing good at it though. We're making it work. We're making it work. Maybe it'll be cute next week. <laughs> Maybe it'll be what? Cute. cute next Maybe. Week. I don't know. We'll have to see. All right, guys. Well, um, Sam, it's been so great having you in the studio today. Thank you so much for sharing that experience because that's a really hard thing to talk about. And, I know that's not something you've like shared with a lot of people. So really appreciate you just like being in the space with us today and, and sharing that. Thank you. You guys definitely made it, made it easy to share. It was, it definitely felt at home. It wasn't pressured. It was, it was nice. 
So thank you for allowing me to help share. Cool. All right, guys. Well, uh, keep talking about your feelings. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Two Nuts in a Pod on Forward Radio. Please keep in mind that we are not mental health professionals, and all of our opinions are based on our personal experiences. If you'd like to speak to a trained professional, call National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. The crisis line is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Original theme music for Two Nuts in a Pod was composed by Neil Lucas.